0: think about like the beginning of the sermon and it's kind of like recapping some of what Nick talked about Mm -hmm. like the week prior so this is like a resetting of the story because like you said at one point in your sermon like John doesn't really break up his chapters Mm -hmm. by like hey here's a Clean cut, and now we're on to the next thing. It's like one
1: block of discussion.
0: Yeah, chapter 13 ends and 14 begins. We're we're, like, the conversation has continued. Yeah. And so having to like do some setup, like, Mm -hmm. hey, don't forget, like last week, Nick talked about this stuff Mm -hmm. and I don't get to, so I have to like remind these things are going on.
1: Yeah, one of the the things that really struck me when prepping the Grow Group studies for John, was this emphasis on this one conversation that the first 12 chapters covered three years, then we have five chapters, 13 through 17, on a one evening meal. That is so much detail. And then we'd think the emphasis would be on the the cross and the resurrection, but that only gets two chapters for the arrest, trial, and crucifixion, and two chapters for the resurrection appearances, um, which is seems, that would be the focus but John wrote these five chapters and i can't help but think John 30 40 years after Jesus died rose and went back to heaven he's reflecting back on his time as a disciple to write John's gospel and just remembers that night so vividly as he sat to the right hand of Jesus at the table this time when he's leaning up against Jesus asking him private questions and he just it's just ingrained on his mind the the depths of this. And so, yeah, it's just this one flowing conversation to, to break it up with chapter, like chapter 14 has nothing to do with chapter 13 is completely missing the point because it all flows uh, together as this one conversation. So it's beautiful.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's, was that difficult for you to think like, man, I've I've gotta like recap this other stuff. And so when we're we're talking about like sermon prep, like you only have what is it, thirty-five to like forty-two minutes, somewhere mm-hmm. around that yeah, range yeah. of like I've gotta use five or so of mm-hmm. those thirty-five mm-hmm. or forty minutes to like recap and like mm-hmm. on the previous episode, here's what happened. <laughs> like is that I don't wanna say frustrating, but is yeah. that a struggle thinking like I've gotta I've gotta reconnect what mm-hmm. was said last week, what was more detailed last week with this week?
1: There's a balance uh, depending on the week, depending on the message, depending on how tightly those points are linked. So I think for this, I think for this week, it matters less so than the upcoming weeks because chapter 13 really intros it and the discussion doesn't start really toward the end with Jesus saying that, uh, the new commandment is to love one another, and that Peter's going to die. That's really when the conversation starts. The bit about the foot washing, and then Judas's betrayal and Judas leaves. That's the almost the introduction to this upper room discussion. And so, it's not until that last part. So I didn't. I didn't intro. I, I mentioned foot washing and mentioned Judas, mm-hmm. but I spent my five minutes of recap on the new commandment that Jesus gave and on Peter's. Uh, But again, it depends. Nick, I'm sure, will do some more this week as he talks about uh, the Holy Spirit because my message ended uh, kind of a bit of a cliffhanger for that with there's a power from heaven. And that is going to be explained a lot more in detail in the next uh, topic. So it's kind of hopefully set him up so he didn't have to do too much recap for them. Mm
0: -hmm. And that's what these podcasts and putting the sermon online about too so that people can go and like find the sermon or find what was, mm-hmm. and like, okay, I I, I still kind of remember what was talked about last week. Um, yeah. So in preparing this sermon for this week, this particular chapter mm-hmm. of John, was there something that struck you as like, this is really impactful for me personally, mm-hmm. as not not as a pastor, but as yeah. like a Christian man?
1: I mean, it impacts me, the same thing impacts me, both as a pastor and as a Christian man. So there's, there's that phrase, Someone is too heavenly minded to be of any earthly use. I don't know if you've heard that before, but it's the idea that someone's so in love with Jesus and so enamored with him that they actually can't be of any earthly use. They don't get what people are really going through. And that's, that's always set in the back of my mind. It's like, yeah, we need to be more earthy with people as it were, because that's what people get. If we go too heavenly, we miss, we, we, we're missing connecting with people. But I think when Jesus says to his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled, he focuses them on heaven. Mm -hmm. He says, I'm preparing a place for you in my father's house. That should be our great hope whenever our hearts are troubled. I think I use the phrase at the end of my message, like that the, the troubles in life be alarm bells to remind us of these things. Like these troubles in our lives shouldn't make us focus on this life, which should make us look forward to the next. And it was just a great reminder to my soul that my hope shouldn't be in anything in these 70, 80 years of life. My hope is always in the next life. Mm-hmm. And that, cause that's where I'm going to get an infinite number of years and have the great joy of being with my father, being with my king to just delight in him. And that, no matter what goes on, should be a hope. And then as a pastor, that is, uh, we meet with people all the time who are struggling in their marriage or have wayward kids or are struggling with habitual sins or um, losing loved ones or whatever it is. It's uh, we we see all that brokenness. And I don't think if I didn't have that hope of heaven, that'd be so miserable. If that wasn't the focus, if this life was so much more the focus, that would be so hard to cope with. But knowing that even though 70, 80 years can feel like a long time, in view of eternity, is so tiny, and that the uh, as I quoted from Paul in First Corinthians, that are he calls them our light and momentary troubles, which kind of slaps us in the face when we're going through a really hard time in life. But it's it's. A, only really light and momentary because it will passes. He says they're achieving for us an eternal weight of glory that surpasses them all. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wouldn't say I'm going through troubles right now in my life, but I'm hoping that this message in particular will ring deep into my heart when I do come across troubles and just take great joy that I have that place in heaven with my father I have that path to heaven through Jesus and while I wait I have a power to keep on living which is the Holy Spirit and so it's almost Trinitarian in that uh, in that amazing thing so so it's super encouraging to me
0: yeah and I think that it's it's important too to kind of set the tone of that as well it's not john making light of like our Mm -hmm. troubles here on earth but it's making much of the eternity with god it's not like your your troubles like the cancer the sickness the the hard times in life like they're not really that big it's like no it's eternity with god is just that much more yeah as big as we we think these struggles Mm -hmm. and these these burdens are here like that weight is that much more. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And so taking that phrase too heavenly minded to be of any earthly use, I wonder if sometimes we're too earthly minded to be of any heavenly use Mm -hmm. um, to really make an impact for the kingdom because we're so focused on the now rather than being so excited about the next and wanting everyone to go there with us. Mm -hmm. I think that should be a a perspective change at least in my life.
0: Mm, That's good. Was there anything else in like your preparation time that you're like, man, this... I would really like to spend some time on this, but I got, I've got to hit these things, there's no time for it.
1: Yeah, so when I'm prepping a sermon, I'm always asking questions of the text, like, why does he say this? Why does he say this here? Why doesn't he say this? And when Jesus says the famous phrase, and the way, the truth, and the life, it follows on from a question of Thomas, who says, uh, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And it would make sense for Jesus to say, oh, I'm the way, oh, cool. But he says, I am the way and the truth, and the life. And so it got me thinking, why did Jesus add truth and life? And so what I do uh, for that, I have various online tools I use where I see where I can do a search and find out where those words truth and life are used elsewhere in John, and then elsewhere in John's writings, like 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John Revelation, because usually the same Bible writer will use the same words in a similar way, mm-hmm. um, and have a, and we see that very much with John and Paul in particular. And and then also how other writers use it, and, and so I was looking at how John used truth, and, and how John used life. So with truth, it was um, in John chapter one we see that great description of Jesus coming to earth full of grace and truth. We see when he meets the Samaritan woman, uh, he says true worship is worship in spirit and truth. You see when in John chapter eight, when he's talking to the crowds and the Pharisees, he says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Uh, So the truth, Jesus, the truth was, you kind of see that flow of Jesus being the truth, Jesus as the truth sets us free. And he is the way because he is the truth. He is the true path, he is the true one from God. He is what truth is. And he often, in in John, it's where he refers to uh, Satan as the father of lies, so putting himself in that great contrast. But that's, so that was a cool sidebar. Um, what I really struck me and excited me was the word life. And what I discovered in looking how John uses life is actually there are three Greek words for life. You know, like there's four Greek words for love mm-hmm. that would translate as love. It's these three Greek words that in our English translation is translated life. And this ties into why I didn't include it in my sermon because It always used to impress me when a pastor would say, well, in the Greek it means this, and the Greek word for this, this, and this. I always thought it was cool because I was fascinated by languages. But as I'm trying to preach to these people, this this group of people that God's brought here, what I don't want to do is make them think to understand the Bible, you need to know Greek because that's not true at all. And I don't know, I don't speak Greek, I've not no training in Greek, I've picked up several tools in my years of Bible study, and, and just doing some research that helped me get by. But I don't know Greek at all, but I don't know how to use Google. And so uh, a lot of stuff that sounds impressive from the pulpit is often just what you can do a Google search <laughs> with. Um, and so when I looked at these three uh, Greek words for life, I was like, oh, this could be great, but I don't want to plant that seed of doubt, of making people, pe- making people think the Bible is too hard for them because it's already there. And so I always hesitate to mention if there's something cool in the Greek because I think it creates that barrier. And, and we can know more, we can understand more if we do know the Greek, but you don't need to know the Greek to get what it's saying. So it's like my daughter who's seven gets that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose from the grave, uh, that he forgives sins. She gets that at a elementary level because she can read and understand the Bible and that's what you've taught her. And she needs to know nothing more for salvation. Like she, she's got yeah. what she needs. But is there deeper truth the more you look into it? Yeah. It's like, um, I know you love Lord of the Rings and the yeah. first time you watch Lord of the Rings, you're like, oh, this is an amazing movie but you can watch deeper, you watch it more and more, you're like, oh, I see how that ties together. And you watch the extended version, like, ooh, there's more, yeah. there's more cool background that I didn't realize at first. Then you read the books and you get more of the picture, and you see more of the peppering of what's in the books and the movies, and, and so it doesn't take away from the enjoyment of that first time, but you can enjoy it in different ways and deeper. Same with knowing the Greek is that you can, you don't need to read Greek, you don't need to be able to speak Greek or understand Greek or even understand the Greek alphabet to understand the Bible because we've got a great big C church, number, a great number of brothers and sisters who do and who translate it into English accurately for us. And so that's a great gift. Uh, but if you can look at Greek, you're gonna be able to dig a little deeper and understand more of how the first people understood it because they spoke Greek. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, so that's why I didn't feel hugely passionate to share it. And it also didn't really add anything to my main point. It was more of a, this is cool, and I was already pushing time anyway, uh, which I usually do, and so, anyway, back to these three Greek, Greek words for life, and so you have the first one, which is bios, which is where you get biology from, so it's the, the mechanics of life, so the mm-hmm. physical, the plants, the animals, uh, the, just the realness of the human body, that's the bios. Then you have psyche, which is where we get psychology from, which is the mind and the soul, uh, the 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 Jaredness of Jared is the psyche, the Andiness of Andy is the psyche of Andy. And it's what makes me me, not my physical, but my character, that's, that's my psyche. And then there's a third one, which isn't used of humans, it's Zoe, which is where we get the girl's name Zoe from, which means life. And if you look at the uh, Greek version of the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter two, when God plants the tree of life in the garden, it's the tree of Zoe. And it's it's the, the life essence of God. It's the God-lifeness. It's like mm. the psyche of us, but of God. It's a eternal life. It's an eternal existence. It's a imperishable life. Mm. Um, and so it's this big, or oozing life, like life beyond life. Uh, So then again, and then in Revelation again, John speaking of the tree of life uh, in the new Jerusalem in the center of the city is the tree of Zoe. And so when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life he says, I am the Zoe at the end. And I first noticed it because I was looking at how John uses life in his gospel and in, I think, John, Twelve or John eight twelve I can't remember where it is, but he uses, he says the phrase, whoever loves his life in this world, no, whoever loves his life will lose it, whoever hates his life in this world will gain eternal life. And so we have the three words life in the English translation, but the first two are psyche, the last one. So he says, whoever loves his psyche, his character, his, his real life in this world will lose it, whoever hates his psyche, in this world will gain eternal Zoe. Mm. And so the it just gave this bigness to life. And as I was reflecting on, we have this eternal life in heaven. We have the place with the father. It's such a overflowing life that Zoe, it's such a, a, a life force outside of us that is given to us uh, for our great delight and joy. And so when we always refer to the meaning of John, there, his purpose for writing when he says, uh, Jesus did many other miraculous signs, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life, Zoe, in his name. When Jesus says in John chapter 10, um, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full, he's talking, he says Zoe. He's not talking about, I'm gonna have a great life on this earth, he's saying you may have Zoe, the Oozing life of God, and you will have it abundantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, there's just a, a beauty. I, I love the beauty of that Zoe word. And I told Rachel when I saw it, it's like, if you have another daughter, she's going to be called Zoe. Uh, because I just love that picture that we get that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the Zoe, the life, the oozing life. And um, that. Is what gets us to the Father. No one comes to the Father through me because He is the one that gives us that life that can go on forever, that uh, never ending, incorruptible life. And so it's just, it was just a great eye opener for me. Again, you don't need that to appreciate what Jesus' main point is like, He is the way to heaven. That's what Jesus is saying. A seven year old can get that. Mm-hmm. But to know that He's promising this oozing life is just sweet. Mm-hmm. And it just gave me a great taster of what heaven is gonna be like. Like I can live an abundant life here, and in the West we do, we've got so much more than we need or deserve. And yet, in heaven, this is gonna look so just pale. Mm -hmm. It's gonna look so gray and bland compared to the Zoe we get to experience uh, in heaven. So it got me giddy last week.
0: That's awesome, (laughs) I love that, I love that. just a word and, and digging a little bit into that word, a little deeper into it, um, really opened up a lot of it. And, and that's why we do this, is to yeah. get some of that behind the scenes stuff that's like, man, this is really cool, yeah. but it's it got missed because it yeah. just wasn't on me. And, and rightly so, like you can't, you know, chase every yeah. rabbit that you come yeah. across when you're like researching and kind of, oh, that's cool, now I gotta.
1: I mean, I would it. happily preach three sermons on verse six <laughs> Week one, Jesus is the way. Week two, Jesus is the truth. Week three, yeah. Jesus is life. And I'm good. Yeah, That's pretty. where I'd go. But that would take like 20 years to get through John. And there's more Bible we want to get through. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: so that's awesome. Uh, well, good. thank you for sitting down with me and for sharing uh, a little bit extra. Um, stay tuned next time for another episode of Digging Deeper.
1: Bye. See you then.